0: Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> wow, um, what an introduction. I thought the ceiling was going to fall on that one. Don't introduce me like that again, please. <laughs> can you feel the electricity in the air? You feel a charge of the Holy Spirit? I can. I felt it all day long you guys are excited. You guys are hungry. You're passionate. You're ready to hear something from the Lord, aren't you? So am I. But before we go any further, I want us all to stand up. I want us all to turn around. I want us all to lift our hands right up there to our brother, Rich. And Steve, I want you to pray for your brother. He needs a touch from the Lord.
1: Amen, amen. Thank
0: you, thank you, thank you. Fear is a liar. Satan is a liar. Sickness is a liar. It steals from us. Dr. Mitzi, we prayed for you yesterday for pain. And I pray for you right now and your family right now in the name of Jesus. You came out tonight in faith. With your beautiful granddaughter sitting right next to you. And I just pray right now in Jesus' name that that pain be gone. You be healed, strengthened, and filled with the glory and power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Right now, in Jesus' name. Hugh, you've been praying for a breakthrough. Did that breakthrough come? You're thanking God for the breakthrough. Thank God for the breakthrough. Thank God for the breakthrough. Thank God for the breakthroughs. Thank God for the healings. Thank God for the anointing. Thank God that he chooses to dwell with us right now. Dwell among men. I just thank God he's in this room right now. Thank you, Jesus. I firmly believe the Lord wants to meet with us tonight in a special way, and I think it's already started. I think it was before we hit those doors. I know when I woke up this morning, I could feel the charge in my house. I could feel the anointing in my house as I listened to worship music all day long, as I prayed over my printer because it wouldn't print, and it messed up, and it took three hours. Three hours. And in the midst of all that, I went to a job interview, and I had a job interview, and then I came here. Well, and then I went home and prayed over my printer again, and finally, I don't know what happened. I do know what happened. God answered prayer, and it printed, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I was able to go on with my day and do dishes and take out the the garbages out, by the way, honey. You don't have to do that. The plants are watered. Everything we planted has been watered. Everything was done today. But I feel like all day long I've been on a cloud, walking on a cloud. And I just pray tonight that the Holy Spirit will challenge you with what the Lord wants to tell you. It's always good to be challenged. When somebody challenges you or somebody comes up and you just feel something like you got what they want, it challenges you to go higher. And I always say this, most of y'all know I exercise, and there comes a place in your life where you begin to plateau, and you stay in that plateau for a while, and we're comfortable in that plateau, until the Holy Spirit quickens you, and all of a sudden you know you've got to go to the next level, whatever it takes. My son-in-law, Brandon, is in the reserves, and last week he said, boy, I've got a PT test on Sunday, and I've got to run 1.5 miles under 15 minutes. I don't know if I can do it. Well, I can just tell you that put a challenge in me. I thought, by golly, I'm going to run, and I'm going to try to do it under 15 minutes, 1.5 miles. Well, Saturday, Friday, I got up, and I started running on the treadmill, and I did 1.5 miles in almost 18 minutes. Saturday morning, I thought, I've got, I've got to get this down. And I thought, I've got to beat it. So Saturday morning, I get up and I get on the treadmill and I run. And I knocked a minute, almost a minute and a half off my time. This morning, I decided, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to go forward. I want to meet the challenge. I want to go higher. Not only is this a physical thing, it is a spiritual thing in my life. This is a challenge for me, not only physically, but spiritually in my life. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to to do something different about your physical. Physical is spiritual. It's hand in hand. So today I decided I'm going to do something different. I'm going to get off the treadmill, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to run on the pavement. Oh, this is a lot harder. (laughs) I run from South Bank, and I go down the hill and up the hill, and I go to Rolling Hills. And if you're out... In that area, you know, there's hills and there's a thing you got to go up. I'm looking at the hill. And I'm thinking, oh, oh boy, <laughs> Lord, I got to do this. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to face the challenge. And I'm out running. Not even nine o'clock this morning. Nine, nine ten this morning. I'm outside. No, it wasn't even. It was eight forty-three. I was outside to meet that challenge, and I'm running on the pavement. And I'm outside. It was such a beautiful morning. And I start off running, and I get down one hill, and I, I walk for 30 seconds. And I get back up, and it's easy to go down, but coming up is another story. I kind of had to walk up just a little bit, but I, I ran, and I did it all. I ran 1.8 miles in less than 19 minutes. 1.8 miles in less than 19 minutes. Now, all I'm saying is the Holy Spirit is challenging us tonight. And what he's saying, if it makes you work a little harder, is it, if it causes you to get up a little earlier, if it causes you to move a little faster, if it causes you to dig deeper into your Bible, God wants you to meet his challenge tonight in drawing closer to him, closer than you've ever been in your whole entire life. He's calling you to a challenge tonight. I feel something in the atmosphere. And this isn't something that God's expecting you to do on your own. God is going to equip you and give you what you need to meet the challenge that he's giving you. He's going, to get, he's going to want to give you the want to. Over the last five years, I've mentioned it before, I've gone through something. I don't even know what I went through. But I will tell you this. I lost desire. I lost passion. I lost my want to, to want to do anything in the kingdom of God. Anything. It was a struggle even to preach. It was gone. And I told the Lord, I don't even care if I preach ever again. I don't care. I don't know what happened to me. I don't know how I got there. Most of the time, we don't. It's a gradual thing. Not that I quit loving God because I didn't. Somewhere along the line, and it was a struggle. It was a struggle. I'd have to talk to myself. I'd have to meditate on his word. I'd have to talk to Him to myself and say, rise up. And then I began praying. and said, like, God, change my heart, oh God. Renew a right and steadfast spirit within me. Give me a passion again. Give me hope again. Give me a desire again to want to serve you. Did it happen immediately? Absolutely not. But I had to keep praying it. I kept moving forward. I kept saying, God, change my heart. Change my heart. Change my thinking. Change what's going on within me. I don't understand it, God. I don't have the power to change me, but you do. And I ask God that you do the impossible in my life and give me the want to back. I want the passion I had that I had once before. And I don't want the passion that I had once before. I want more than what I had before. That's what I want, God. God's been doing it little, little. By little, by little, gradually he's been doing it. He's been so patient and so loving. And little, by little, by little, I've been feeling a love. I've been feeling a passion. I've been feeling a joy. I want to come back to church. I didn't even want to come to church. I would find excuses not to come to church. I would find excuses not to come to prayer. My kids are coming. Oh, my parents are coming. Oh, I've got this. Oh, I got that. That scared me. When I started finding excuses why I didn't want to go to church and why I didn't want to go to prayer. And a lot with prayer, see, the devil can lie to us too. Because I'd be thinking, I pray too much. I talk too much. Who wants to hear me? They're all sick of hearing me. I need to get out of there. I don't have anything good to say or pray. I'm sure they're sick and tired of hearing me. Anybody hear that? Or is it just me? Who would want to hear me? You know, all that isn't even in my notes. <laughs> the challenge, the challenge, is wanting more for yourself than what yourself wants. The challenge is wanting more for yourself than what yourself wants. That's letting the spirit, that little spark of the spirit, where you feel that little life like Danielle, pregnant, going into her sixth month. (laughs) Couldn't wait to feel that baby kick. Couldn't wait. Do I look pregnant yet? Do I look pregnant yet? No. No want to. I said, don't worry, it's coming. And by the time you get to your seventh month and eighth month, you're going to say, I want this over. Because your back hurts and you roll over and you can't get comfortable and you can't sleep. And the whole time all you're thinking about is labor. Oh God, i got to give birth to this baby. Oh. It's going to hurt. But I couldn't wait. Daddy's like, come on. Mom, I felt a flutter. I said, it's letting you know it's a lie. And then at night, we've been blessed to have them come back with us for a while. And at night, it's so cute. Danny's like, I felt it. I felt it. She'll grab her in his hand put it right there. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? No. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Forget it. Can't feel it. Eventually, what you feel, I feel, it's going to catch on. And the spirit is kicking. In each one of us. And what the what the spirit is stirring inside of me, you're gonna begin to see it because it's gonna give birth and it's gonna give life. My question Are you living for Jesus with passion? passion. This is a Wednesday night group. This is the on fire group. People come out that love Jesus on Wednesday nights if they possibly can. Times you physically can't. You got a job, I know you can't. Wednesday night people. And you're like, yeah. I love Jesus. I'm passionate for him. I'm here. Right? But my question is, Are you running after him like your very life and your future depends on it? Are you running after him like your very life and future depends on it? I was coming to a place, I was actually scared, I was frightened. Because I couldn't feel the passion. I couldn't feel the movement of the Holy Spirit in my life. It scared me. Do you want Jesus to notice you tonight? Or are you happy with your life just the way it is? I want Jesus to notice me. I want him to notice me. I want to cry out. I'm not satisfied with him stirring life inside of me and bringing me out of where I was. I don't want to go back there. I want to go further. Further than I was before. I want to do more for him here than I did back there. I want to be more on fire for him here than I was back there. It was like here. Went through this. Ooh, hell. I went through hell. There's no other way of describing it. It was like a hell. And I didn't like it. It was not me. I had to fight and I had to claw. I had to get myself out of there. Nobody could do it for me. Nobody could pray it. It was something I had to work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. It was something I had to work myself out of. And that was exactly what God wanted it to be. I'm going to challenge you guys tonight to get passionate and shout loud in your pew to get Jesus. I don't even think he notices you. He notices you. But do you want his full attention? Where is that scripturally? In Mark ten forty six through 52. That's exactly what blind Bartimaeus did when he heard that Jesus was passing by. How often is Jesus passing by us every day and we don't even recognize he's there? He's always passing by. But are we so busy we don't even recognize that he's standing right behind us, waiting for us to turn around and looking full in the face? Jesus heard, I'm going to call him Bart. I don't like, I mean, Bartimaeus is too long. I just kind of like it Bart. It's short and sweet. So Bart, Jesus heard Bart shouting. Got his attention, so he told his disciples, go get him. That was a defining moment that changed Bart's life forever. It changed his life forever. I want defining moments in my life. I want those defining moments where, where the Lord says, Phyllis, I've heard you. Angels, go minister. Do, Go minister, work, open doors, move. May she know it's been my hand that was doing all this. A defining moment. Jesus asked Bart when they brought him, what do you want me to do for you? I really thought about that. I thought, if the Jesus, Jesus asked me, Phyllis, what do you want me to do for you? It's like my mind would be going, Bloom. you know, it's like this whole bucket list of stuff.
1: And then I'd have to start
0: weeding all this out in an in instant because, no, that's too selfish. No, he wouldn't do this. You know, my mind would go, and here's what too. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew exactly what he needed. It was not a mystery because Jesus knows all things. He knows our thoughts before we think it. And not to mention, Bart was labeled with the cloak that when everybody looked at him, knew he was blind. Not to mention he stood and begged for money and food and anything else he could get because he was a blind beggar. So everything about him was labeled blind. So Jesus knew it. But sometimes I think He, Jesus asks us questions. What do you want me to do for you? I don't know if he's really asking us what we want him to do. Or more so, do you believe who I am? Do you believe... I am who I am. Do you believe I can heal you? Sometimes there's questions that he asks and he's really not looking for a straight up answer. It's the in-between stuff that he's really looking for. Like the woman who whose daughter she came to him and I believe she died. Or was very sick and she asked Jesus to come. And He said, no, the food is only for my people. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. He said, your faith, go, it will be, it will happen. Sometimes his questions aren't a no, he's he's wanting us to dig deeper into who he is and what he can do. Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus, and his life was changed forever. He could see. He could walk. He could work. He, he could walk without stumbling and falling and having somebody help him. He was dependent on somebody all the time. All of a sudden, his eyes were open, and he could see. So that's what the clouds look like. That's, that's what the sun looks. That's what I feel on me. That's the, that's the tree. That's what an amazing moment to be blind and then see everything becomes so alive and so real. Did it change him? Spiritually, I know it did a physical, Jesus physically touched apart so he could see. But see, Jesus wants to do more than just do something physically in our lives. Temporal. Because everything is temporal. Everything we wear Everything we have, everything we see, everything is temporal. Jesus wanted to do something eternal, spiritually eternal in Bartimaeus. Yes, it was the physical which he was crying out for, but Jesus wanted to do more than something physical, He wanted to go beyond that and give him something more eternal, life-changing. I don't know about blind Bartimaeus. It did say he followed Jesus along the road after that. But beyond that, he's not mentioned, is he, after that? I don't think so. Jesus has compassion on people in their needs, I don't want us to get so out of balance where we think well Jesus just wants the the eternal and and that he doesn't want to meet our needs because Jesus is so compassionate. He's moved with compassion for our needs and in mark six thirty one Jesus called his disciples and said, "Come away with me to a quiet place. I'm sure his disciples were ready for that. Because Jesus was all over the place, and people were all over him. I'm sure they didn't have a quiet moment. And I'm sure even in the middle of the night, if people could find them, they were there wanting Jesus to touch them and heal them and provide for them. And I'm sure it drove the disciples nuts. Do you want to know why? Because they're human. And if you look at the 12 disciples, if I had to look and pick which one I was, I would say I'm a little bit of every one of them. A little bit of every one of them. And we say, well, I'm not a Judas. Yeah, I'm a Judas. There's times that I want to ditch him and run. I'm being honest. And I don't like that about myself. I just don't. Jesus had worked them ragged, and people followed him. Everywhere, They didn't have a moment to themselves, and it wasn't any different this time either. They did not have their alone time, which bummed them out. But in the Bible text, it said Jesus had compassion on them. He wanted to minister to them. He wanted to teach and feed them physically and spiritually. To everything, to Jesus, it was Always, always about eternity eternity, always in the forefront. always about eternity. Now here's a question. Who is Jesus to you? Is he more about the temporal things in your life? In my life? Do I get angry and frustrated when things don't go my way and God doesn't answer prayer the way I wanted to or like it? Do things happen and I pray and pray and pray? And most of the time, a lot of times in my life, my prayers were not answered the way I wanted them. But they were answered in the way that was best for me. But at the time, I did not like it. Are we crying out for things in this life that will satisfy for a moment? And I'm not saying they're bad because we need them. Hear me. I'm not saying they're bad because we need them. But what I want us to get our focus on is Jesus tonight. I want our focus on Him and who He is and not what He can do. We get it backwards. We go to Him about what He can do for us. And He's saying, but I just want you today. Can you just sit and and worship me? Can you just sit and not say anything? Can you just sit and let me pour myself into you? Do you know how hard it is to sit and not say anything? So very hard not to pray. You know it, don't you, Gloria? You're shaking your head. It's hard. We always want to Say something, do something. And that's not bad. But there's a time where the Lord says, just shh. Shh. I already know what you need. I already know. In Matthew 8, 1, a man with leprosy knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing to clean. Jesus is more willing to do things in our life than we believe him for. And I'm not always talking about physically. I'm talking spiritually. Because blind Bartimaeus was blind physically. But how many areas in in our life are we blind spiritually? Where we need to be crying out, God, open my eyes, open my eyes, open my eyes. I can't see, I can't see, I can't see. I can see physically, but there's things spiritually that I can't see. Open my eyes to this truth. Crying out for stuff. Jesus is still willing to touch you and to heal you, to give you sight, to provide food for you, pay your taxes. When was tax day? Anybody owe taxes? Now Jesus, who was it he told? Was it Peter? Go, the first fish you get, there will be a drachma, there will be a coin, there will be enough in there to pay your taxes and mine. So if Jesus tells you to go fishing, there you have it. You might find your drachma. He's able to open up a womb, not only physically, but spiritually. Deadness and dryness, that's what he's been doing to me. He's opened up my spiritual womb again, where it lay dormant. So these things I'm talking about, not only physical, but spiritual. What I'm trying to do is to get our focus from here to here. Here to here. Because Jesus is wanting you to ask for more. More. He's able to provide a dwelling, a home to live in. Even a church building, pastor. The answer's on the way. Have you heard from them yet? Okay. In Isaiah 6-1, Isaiah was in the temple after King Uzziah had died. King Uzziah had become king when he was 16 years old, and he reigned for 52 years said, overall, I did a little reading and some, I like to do some research before I speak because I don't want to get up here and speak in front of a bunch of pastors who know a lot more than just a little country girl (laughs) and embarrass myself. So I am up to the challenge knowing I'm going to have to dig a little deeper so I don't make a fool of myself. And I said, overall, he was a good king. Till he lifted his heart up and he became arrogant. and He went into the temple to burn incense on the altar of incense, which he was not supposed to do. So the Lord struck him with leprosy. He had leprosy till the day he died. Isaiah's eyes were on the king who had just died. He had served the king well for years. And Isaiah was sad and maybe even a little depressed. And he was probably wondering, where do I go from here? Who's coming in next? What's what's going on? Naturally, fearful. God suddenly blows in the room like a mighty wind and power. And Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and sitting on his throne. And all Isaiah could see was his uncleanness. And all he could say is, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people with unclean lips. And instantly, Isaiah had a need to be cleansed in that moment. And it And a seraphim or an angel flew and got a coal and brought it over and touched his lips and said, you have been cleansed. Instantly, he had a need. He had a need right then and there. And the Lord met his need right there. Another thing Isaiah seen while he was in there, And I'm sure it was so mind-blowing. I'm sure he just couldn't drink all this in. He might have thought, "I I I don't know probably fell as though we were dead. I mean, what would you do if the doors flew open and a mighty rushing wind blew in and the power of the Holy Spirit started coming in and moving and touching and you begin having visions and we could see the Lord seated on high and he's sitting there and all of a sudden we see this mighty throne as he's sitting up there and we see this train, this huge train begin to come and fill this temple and overflow and it's hanging out the doors and going out that way and Isaiah's like Woe is me. And he said, This train filled the temple. God was showing Isaiah something else that he had need of. The king was dead, and Isaiah was looking for another king. And when the doors blew open and the Lord showed up in that room, what the Lord was telling Isaiah, I am your king of kings and I am your Lord of lords and I have won every battle. And I will continue to win every battle. And back then, when the kings went to war, and they would conquer another king, they would take the robe off the king, and they would sew it onto their robe, and it would—they would be able to tell how many battles they won by how long the robe was, and attached, and attached, and attached. So when the Lord was blowing in that place that day, he was given Isaiah divine revelation. All you need is me. I am your king of kings and I am your Lord of lords. And I have fought and won every battle. Every battle that you have now or you will ever face. That train flows far beyond this room in Isaiah's vision. And it flows into our hearts and into our spirits, into our very being. Where we know that we know that we know that he is our king of kings. He is our Lord of lords. He's everything we need. And that our eyes can be taken off the temporal and put on the eternal. Because he's already given us everything we need. And the day that Adam and Eve took and ate of the forbidden fruit. Satan was having having a joyous day. The battle was won. In Luke 10, when he says, I saw Satan fall as lightning. That was the day God booted him right out of heaven. That was the day he was defeated. The day God kicked Satan out of heaven. All the battle was won right then and there. What you and I were in need of, at the time, was we needed a big brother with flesh and blood to lay on the altar of redemption for us and to give his life so that we could be redeemed from the penalty of death. Because the battle had been won. What we needed was a sacrifice on the altar, and our brother Jesus did that. It had to be flesh, and it had to be blood that could redeem us and restore us. And the Lord is wanting us to get our eyes back on him and who he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is everything we need now and what we will ever need, always and forevermore. And I can tell you that this life is fleeting. I don't have to tell you a whole lot because most of us are a little older in here. And we're a little closer to death's door. And every day, it seems like the older I get, you know, Barbara Bush died. That was on the news. We had another friend, Larry Lancaster died. Very prominent in this community. Larry Lancaster died. If I was to sit and I was to count all of my friends that have died and gone to the Lord, it would, I'm sure it would be over 40 in the last 10 years of people that have passed on friends that have gone with the Lord it tells me that this life is fleeting very 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 fleeting very fleeting the Lord could come back at any time any moment and I want him to find me on fire with him I want him to find me with a passion for him And a love for him. Uh, Lord, I am all sold out for you. You sold yourself out for me. I'm going to sell myself out for you. And I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to give myself totally and completely to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen. Wherever you tell me to go, Lord, I'm going to go. Fear is a liar. Fear will keep us from stepping out and doing what God's called us to do. What will they think? Where will I go? What if I don't like it? What if, blah, what, 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 what? what if I don't have the finances? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? So what? What if? God is at the end of our what ifs. He's there. I believe we will live a more fulfilled life if we just dive in and go head head forward. Boom. Go for it. Whatever God's asking you to do, I'm saying, go for whatever he's telling you to do. And don't hold back. Do not hold back. We are the vessels of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He abides and lives in us. We are the Holy Spirit's hands and feet. We are the vessel that he uses to move and minister and bless and touch and give. Every time we hold back, we stop and we quench the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Let's not do that anymore. We've been prophesying over this church in prayer. We know God has great things for this, ch- for this church. We feel a birthing taking place. We felt like, Pastor, the birth has happened. The birth has happened. But you all know when a baby's born, it sleeps a whole lot. Sleeps probably 22, 23 hours a day. Wakes up just enough to eat and go back to sleep. Get his little diaper changed. Sometimes it may appear as if Danny will find this out. Wow, this is easy being a mom. Just wait. Wait. Just wait. Because what we don't see with our physical eyes right yet, Pastor, the spirit, there's a knowing in the spirit. There's a sensing in the spirit. There's a sensing, and I can feel it in each and every one of you. There's an expectancy. There's a fight. There's a vibrancy. There's a passion. There's an expectancy. There's... there's something there. We know, we know. We can't touch it yet. We know. We don't know that we're already walking in it. Oftentimes we don't know until after you look back. I know Patsy and some of us, we went to Calvary. We didn't know we were in revival till afterwards. As the church was growing leaps and bounds, Sundays, the spirit would fall and the pastor couldn't even preach and the worship would go on and he'd get up and he'd preach with it between waves between waves, we didn't even realize what the spirit was doing at the time. It's like, wow, wow, isn't this cool? The church is growing. Worship was great. We could feel the spirit. We didn't realize what God was doing at the time until we looked back. It was like, wow, we were in the middle of revival and didn't even recognize it. We're in the middle of something now. Open your eyes, ask God. Open our eyes and let us see what you're doing in this place right now. Let us not miss what the Spirit is doing in this place right now. Because it's going to burst at the seams. Because people are going to run to this place because they know that the Spirit of the living God is here and moving. And miraculous things are happening. It's going to, believe me, word is going to get out there. Because one thing about it, when you're on fire for God and we begin to witness the miracles and the expectancy and the excitement and the passion of the Holy Spirit, we won't be able to keep our mouths shut. Whoa, you got to, David Rebar's great at this, I know, you've got to come to this church. Witnesses everywhere he goes. He's the one I know of many, you, you guys do too. But he's the one I know of. I'm going to pick on him right now. There's a moving of the Spirit. There's a current flowing in here. There's a current flowing. And the rivers are going to start rising. And we're going to start seeing more... Anointing, more power. We're going to be seeing things go at a different level, not because of the flesh, but because of the spirit. You want to know why? Because we are paying the price. We're paying the price. In prayer, we are paying the price. There's a passion about prayer. We're all excited. Last week, Miss Margaret prayed for somebody. She got baptized in the Holy Spirit after prayer was done. Women's ministry, y'all come this Saturday. Barbara Holman speaking. Who knows what the Lord's going to do this Saturday? Men, you just might want to (laughs) come. We women. I want to read just a little bit about who Jesus is. And just close your eyes and listen to who Jesus is. He is good. He is powerful. He's great. He is excellent. He is love. He is wisdom. He is holy. He is patient. He is changeless. He is everything that I cannot be. That is my little interjection here. He is everything that I cannot be. I need him desperately in my life to be patience, to be loving, to be kindness, to be goodness. I need him in my life. He needs to be my strength, my strong tower, my lighthouse, my eyes, my vision. He's my purity. No matter how hard I try, I cannot be pure or righteous on my own. But he is.
1: He's almighty.
0: He's glorious. He's righteous. He's just. He's grace. He's majestic. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. He's true. He's pure. He's sinless. He's radiant. He's faithful. He's magnificent. He's worthy. He's my creator. He is my strength, my truth. He is the lifter of my head. He's my all-sufficient one. My savior, my hope, he's the son of God. He is my resurrection. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the light of the world. He is the Lord of lords and he is the king of kings. He is my authority. I am not my authority. He is my authority. I have got to submit to him. He is my authority. We've got to get that. He is my authority. God God, God, break our own authority in our life where we think we have it. Oh, God, break it off of us in Jesus' name that we will be set free. He's the all-consuming fire. He is my restorer. He's my comforter. He is my stronghold in the day of trouble. He is my resting place. He is my deliverer. He's my refuge from the storm. God knows last year he was the refuge in our storm. When our family went through a terrible time, we only got through that because we knew people were praying. We could feel your prayers. And when you guys say you pray, I know you're praying. And I thank you for your prayers. Don't ever take it for granted when someone says, I am praying for you. And when you're praying for somebody, let them know because they just might need to hear it. He's my overcomer, my peace. He is the bread of life. He is my fortress. He's my everlasting father. He's the shade from the heat. He's my healer. He's my counselor. He's the author of my faith, and he's my rewarder. You got a recompense coming. You got a recompense coming. There's not ever one time that you don't ever go to the battle, that when you come out of the battle, that there's not goods there in a recompense where God says, go and get it. It belongs to you. God always has a recompense. Somebody's waiting on a recompense. You've been through a hard time, Hugh, but God has a recompense. He's got a blessing. He is a restorer. He knows exactly what you need. He is all you need. He is my shield. He is my purifier. He is my sustainer. And he is the sovereign Lord. He is everything that I cannot be. He was my sacrifice on the altar. He was me on my cross. He was me. I could not deliver myself. I could not save myself. And I could not wipe away my sins. Not one. And he is the only one who can. He is the chain breaker. Rich, if you would like to start that, please. He is your chain breaker. I've got, I went out and bought a CD. This is Zach Williams. This is Zach Williams. Miss Carolyn, he sings Fear is a Liar. If you're all grateful for what the Lord has done for you, if you are thankful for what he did on the cross of Calvary, you need to stand up and you need to give him a shout. You can turn that up. Thank you, Rich. You need to be thankful for the chains that he's broken in your life. You need to give him praise and honor and glory. And I need to give him praise and honor and glory that he took me out of the miry pit and he put my feet on the rock to stay. I thank God that he is the mover, he is the shaker, he is the foundation, he is my foundation, he is my rock, he is my shield, my fortress, he is my light, he is my future, he is my passion, he is mine and your everything. And you cannot live without him. You can certainly try, but it ain't gonna happen. Let this get into your heart. Let it get into your mind. That's for you. Don't know which way to go. He's going to show you. This next song, I sure wish I could sing. It's talking about come to the table. If anybody feels led to come to the altar, come to the table. These altars are open. Just be ministered to. This last song, fear is a liar, that's a declaration for this church, fear is a